welcome to the Word on Wednesday podcast for September 15. My name is John Mason. It's great you could join us. With the geopolitical upheavals the world is experiencing, many fear what the future holds. The uncertainty today is exacerbated by the angry divisions within societies. Vindictiveness has replaced respectful and serious conversation and we can feel utterly powerless when it comes to talking about our faith. In Paralandra, the second in C.S. Lewis's science fiction trilogy, Ransom, the main character, feels powerless in confronting an evil force at work on the untainted planet Venus. The crafty, subtle, evil power reflects the temptations in Genesis chapter 3. Despite being a learned scholar in philology, Ransom constantly finds himself defeated in his arguments. What could he do? This raises an important question for us, for today people have no knowledge of the Jesus of the Gospels. So subtle and persistent has been the attack on Christianity, people are not looking to the Christian faith for answers. Is it time to review our approach? So come with me to a parable Jesus told, the parable of the sower. It begins in Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. When a great crowd gathered and people from town to town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Now the parable is this, Jesus went on to explain to his disciples. The seed is the word of God. People travelled from near and far to see Jesus. Expectations were rising. It would have been a great time for him to call people to join him in a march on Jerusalem to set Israel free from Rome. But that was not God's way. We need to focus on the key to the parable. The seed is the word of God. Causes and revolutions are staged by various means. Last century, Marxists brought in communism at the end of a gun. This century began, as we were reminded on 9-11, with Islamist extremists trying to destabilise and destroy through terrorism. In Jesus' day, zealots tried to revive Jewish independence through guerrilla warfare. But these are not Jesus' methods. The picture he paints is of a farmer quietly sowing seed. The Word of God, he is saying, has within its DNA the capacity to change people's lives for good. At first the transformation is hidden, but there comes a day when the change is obvious. Churches these days have often lost confidence in the power of God's Word to change lives. Many churches focus on the sacraments and others on social justice. But to make these things the priority is to lose sight of the way that God works. God's Word is the key that unlocks the door into God's kingdom 
and therefore to life and hope. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we read, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As the Word of God, the Scriptures give us exclusive information about salvation. They don't contain exhaustive truth, but what they give us is sufficient for our rescue and, furthermore, for living as God's people. In the larger context of 2 Timothy, Paul reminds us that we live in a world that prefers to invent its own religion. He tells us that our only real hope for life and meaning is to turn to God's unique self-revelation. Human resources won't provide the deep and satisfying answers we long for. Our sure hope is independence on the resources of the living God. To return to the parable in Luke chapter 8, Jesus warns us that the results of sowing the seed of God's word aren't uniform. Some of the crop grows well, some poorly, some hardly at all. The results are not so much caused by bad sowing, but rather because of some failure in the ground. We could call this parable the parable of the four soils. One group, having heard God's word, have hardened hearts through the silent, crafty work of the power of evil. A second group receive God's word with joy, but in times of testing, they fall away. They'd like the preacher, but there'd been no true repentance in their hearts, no real change in their lives. A third group have also heard God's word, but they've not counted the cost of commitment. They were not convinced of their sin and their need to turn to Christ in repentance. They'd come as customers to buy, not as disciples to surrender. But then Jesus speaks of a fourth group. They are true followers of Christ, who hold fast to God's word with an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patient endurance. Perseverance in godly living is a sign of God's grace at work. A real lesson here is the encouragement we can experience in the ministry of disciple-making and outreach. Jesus' reference to birds, stones and thorns could easily demoralize us. But he is saying, don't be put off. Be realistic, yes, but the ministry of God's word will always have its successes. And what success that will be. So let's be encouraged. Let's not forget Jesus' words that we read in Matthew 16. I will build my church and nothing will prevail against it. And most of all, let's remember at all times that the key to ministry is letting God's word do its work. So let me pray. Blessed Lord, you've caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that encouraged and supported by your Holy Word, we may embrace and always hold fast the joyful hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let me continue in prayer. Lord Christ, eternal word and light of the Father's glory, send your light and your truth so that we may both know and proclaim your word of life. To the glory of God the Father, for you now live and reign, God for all eternity. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. Amen. People involved in today's podcast are John Mason, speaker and writer, and Catherine Jacob, who leads a ministry for women in Birmingham, Alabama. Prayers are from an Australian prayer book, 1978, and the opening and concluding music is from St. Andrew's Cathedral, Sydney. The hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty, is sung by the Chamber Choir of the Cathedral under the direction of Ross Cobb. Please let us know if you have a question or a comment about this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And remember to look out for the details of the Word 1-to-1 seminars at www.anglicanconnection.com.